Oh, hello. My name is Robert Hagens. Oh, hi. I'm Kay Tuxford. And this is episode 93 of Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in, in all of its forms from the perspective of writers just like you. Kay Tuxford, this week there's a lot going on. A lot. Yes, yes, yes. So, especially now that SAG-AFTRA is striking alongside the WGA. So this week, not only do we want to talk strike, but also focus on what we should be doing in terms of our writing, because there's a little bit of a crossover here, and we want to explore that in our little corner of the internet. So instead of a little strike corner, it's a whole strike parlor. So sit down, fluff a throw pillow, get comfy, and the tea is going to be served. Piping hot. But first, we got to talk about what is screenwriting Twitter or Twitter about. Take it away, Zach. It's just another day in screenwriting drama, screenwriting drama, screenwriting drama. It's just another day in screenwriting drama. It's another day in screenwriting drama. Okay, so this is, we've done, this is, you know, sort of a normal screenwriting Twitter is the Twitter about, but first thing on the list is, is Threads the new Twitter? Is it? I mean, it kind of is the new old Twitter, right? Yeah, Twitter 1.0. Yeah. Very much like 2009 Twitter. It's got the one of the it's historic the amount of downloads i got 150 million uh, 100 million i think just in the last week 30 million on the first day and then obviously some of the comparisons is you know when elon musk bought twitter he fired a bunch of people and guess who hired a lot of them facebook so a lot of people from Twitter just went over to Threads and continued the good work they were doing on Twitter. And so that's why we're all kind of experiencing a little deja vu, right? Yeah. Well, here's the other weird thing that just happened. We're recording this on Sunday. And over on Twitter, Elon Musk just did this. I, I don't even know. Okay. Because he seems intent. And this is what's, what's really perplexing about this whole situation is as he as Twitter seems to completely just fuck itself over. Threads is literally nipping at its heels. And he did this thing this morning, or I think yesterday yesterday or, or this morning, where overnight, basically, if you hadn't specifically directed who can message you in your DMs. Oh, DMs. Yeah. yeah they switch them and so now only very very uh, like verified twitter users can now dm you if you haven't made that distinction if you didn't make that distinction in your in your settings now only verified people can dm you and like, yeah it's 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 we keep coming back week after week that you know he's trying to create this verified class of people and it's just not taking among most of the communities the communities i see do that are taking it are a lot of right wings and neo-nazis yeah he's uh, turning twitter into very... truth social yeah and like it even gets to the point where i see people say oh i saw a blue check mark i didn't even read it like i skipped it yeah. um uh because it's just garbage in garbage out type of situation and there's that 
And and last week there was a shortage. You could only read a limited amount of tweets if you were not verified. Uh, it was a small lower. It was even lower. It's like 600 tweets a day. They were saying, or if you were verified, it was 6,000 while they were having some sort of server problem. <clears throat> what was actually happening and what they said was happening did not track amongst computer people. So who is to say? My guess is he didn't pay any of his bills because we already know Elon Musk doesn't pay his bills. Yeah, so so there's that. And then so they so they did that where now people have to realize they can't message one another. They have to go back. Luckily, you can change your settings. So if you yeah, are it's, on a, Twitter, it's a real pain in the ass. Like I tried it this yeah. morning and it's yeah. a real pain in the ass to do. Yes, it like, is. Like trying to figure out how to actually get to that setting because it's not under anything that is. And I don't know if they moved it. It seems like they moved it because it used to be like you could get to your DMs before. But now. It when you go to your settings, I'm not sure where to even go to it. And so I literally had to figure out like what it would be under. Like it would be under direct messaging, would it be under chat? Like what set where do I look for these in the yeah. settings? And it was a pain in the ass. And it just but yeah, that I don't under I understand I don't understand what the move here. But then my wife was wondering if, and this was an interesting theory. My wife was wondering if. Elon is leading a charge towards the end of a free social media where, because a lot of this stuff is, is, you know, you know, social media, uh, you know, the, as the old saying goes, if you aren't paying, paying for, for it, it, right, then you are the product. They are, they are paying for your algorithm, what your algorithms, they are paying for your information, they are paying for your clicks. They're, they're, the, you know, and that's why advertising on social media platforms is so lucrative that, you know, you, because it's literally a, a marketplace for that kind of exposure. But is Elon Musk sort of pushing it and in sort of short, shorting the twitter in the long in the in the short term where but then things like threads coming up like where they'll come up and then maybe in a few months time you know they they start saying well if you want to keep x y or z i mean they've already done the thing about threads is they've already done the thing where if it's linked to your instagram account and so if you delete your threads you delete your instagram account oh i did not know that yet yeah you can't delete one without deleting the other. So if they institute a policy wherein you have to pay hey. or, yeah, then it's like, you're like, I'm not doing that, delete. They're like, ha, 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 and you can't because you'll delete, you'll be deleting, you know, both at the same time. And then it's like, do you want to start from scratch? And is this a movement towards a paid social media ecosystem? Well, it's a good question. I think that we have seen, at least in our generation, because Rob, you and I are around the same age. You know, we are in fact the same age, Kate Tuxford, just separated by a month. Even though you like to pretend otherwise. A year, a year. I'm born. Oh in no! Oh no! It is a month. Uh, a yeah, month. but in between that month. <laughs> Was 1983 okay. and 1984. Yeah, no. You were born in 83, same as me. Okay. Just at the opposite ends of the same year. 
you're you know what We're, we've had this conversation we're not going to do it for the for the listeners let's let's okay. continue yeah we'll we'll save this for later right. the, re- the reason we all went on some of the early social media which was to connect with the people we don't necessarily see day to day but we want in our circle it's much harder to find them mm-hmm. and and i think that twitter right now is kind of and instagram and all of that they're kind of going by the same way right like now one of the big problems with twitter is obviously there's like a million ads, which, you know, an ad here or there, nobody minds. But I think it's like, I was seeing an ad sometimes like every three or four posts. Ads um, and promoted tweets. They're just Promoted so like- tweets. And then, and then also it's doing this thing where it just sometimes puts random people in your feed that you're not following. Right. And so you're, you're, you're looking at your feed and it's, it's not though. I mean, the appeal to it before was, oh, follow like screenwriting Twitter. I'm really interested in hearing what all these other screenwriters have to say. I'm going to follow them so I can see what they're doing and what they're working on it. And instead. Yeah, let's and then, argue about bold, bolded slug lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. But instead I'm getting a lot of like religious posts, which I have no, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty staunch atheist. I'm, Everyone can have their own beliefs, but that's mine. So I would never follow somebody like that. And I'm getting like, God is good. Jesus is great sort of stuff come through. And I'm just like, I, I'm not, I'm not picking it, you know? Yeah, And and I'm pretty left in terms of my beliefs. I'm not a full on, I'm not a comrade, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm starting to get stuff from the right wing. I'm starting to get the opposite. I get a bunch of stuff about Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why do you want me to watch stuff about Marjorie Ta- I don't want to see that. I don't want to hear about, you know, I don't want to see Matt Gates. I don't want to, you know no, what I mean? Like, Matt I Gates want doesn't want to see Matt Gates. Right. He wakes up every day and he's just like, uh. uh again? Fuck. You know, yeah. it's like Dr. Sam Beckett trying to leap. You know what I mean? It's like, like Jesus Christ, I'm still stuck in this body of oh, Ziggy, get me out of here. But it, you know what I mean. But it, it's just I'm so, getting weird stuff, like anti-algorithm, you know, kind of stuff. Where you're just like, why am I getting this? I feel really feel like maybe this is just the first shots fired, and I feel like maybe this whole sort of rivalry between Musk and Zuckerberg is really just a rope a dope. Where it seems like Zuckerberg is doing something but what they actually do is both in sort of behind the scenes each one is roping us into a thing where it's like this is now they're going to be their business model where you know like eventually they rope you into a service they lock you in they make sure that you can't go away without losing something or you know whatever and then they you know not to be a conspiracy theorist and then they go okay well if you want to be here they're no more free all of a sudden, it goes to a Netflix model. The Netflix model is everything. It's everywhere. Yeah. No matter where you go, you can't get rid of it. It just it just refuses to die. And it makes Wall Street happy. People seem to love it over on Wall Street because it makes them money somehow. And I really feel like that like we're we're reaching the end of free social media. It it just it it sounds crazy enough to be true. I think I think. I think, yes, I think we're seeing a shift. I will argue that there will always be somebody out there willing to make up social media and just get the advertising money and it's enough, right? But mm-hmm. every time it scales, I think it scales eventually to this. 
you know, when MySpace got bought out and got corporatized, everybody shifted and moved over. Right. Um, so the likelihood is that if, if they are going to do that with this, eventually something new is going to pop up. For now, it's threads. Is it going to stay threads? I don't know. I don't know. Speaking okay. of, of someone writing the fence, <laughs> let's talk about the L.A. mayor. Yes. Tone deaf L.A. mayor. Uh, both sides, the argument when SAG-AFTRA went on strike this week, posted on Twitter that the AMPTP and the actors should come back to the table and work this out. And we're going to go into that a little bit later on some of the things that the AMPTP wanted to do with these actors. Right. And maybe And maybe why they said no. But her issue is, and it's it is a reasonable issue and there is there's merit to it but how it's framed is maybe a little a little unfair is that this is this is a working town we make movies so if the actors aren't working it means nobody else is making work, work working and then you know for the mayor what she's seeing is that that means a lot of her constituents uh you know are going to be unemployed and be struggling so recognizing there's always this, a giant 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 homeless problem Yes, LA has a very LA has a very big homeless problem. Mm -hmm. And if you're not if you're not in LA or, you know, around an area with a large homeless problem, it is it has only gotten worse during the pandemic. And there there are just I guess the point where there's certain parts of town where they just go by with like a garbage truck and basically hazmat and clean it out once a month you know it's not even like you know and 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 send the people on their way it's it's pretty rough and to basically sit there and have the aim ptps and exec from that say uh, we're going to talk about this a little later uh we're waiting until the writers lose their homes uh to negotiate and then uh, you know crew is losing their homes now already because there are less projects uh, and now actors are, are increasing that risk instead of her sitting there going, hey, maybe the studios could be more reasonable. So all the people here are labor, uh, don't lose their homes. She's both sizing it and going, come on, SAG, come around, which nobody liked. Well, maybe somebody liked it, probably that works at a studio or has a uh, office at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. But uh, not not uh, not the filmmakers not a big, out here. Not a big fan on, on the on the picket lines. Not a big fan on the picket lines. Didn't go well over Twitter, and you know, especially because the Burbank mayor has been so cool. Uh, you know, Disney and Warner Brothers are both actually they reside in Burbank, which is a little north of LA, um, and that's where there's been complaints for excessive porn use and the. Mayor is refusing to enforce any citations or any punishment for honking. So that one's definitely showing on the side of the strikers. Uh, meanwhile, LA mayor is basically kind of like, come on now, let's all work together and very tone deaf. So boo. 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 Well, let's, speaking of, of someone who isn't fooling anyone, the sound of freedom. While the box office grosses for this movie keep going up, they are, there's, okay, all right. All right, <laughs> well, I, I, this I movie. Wanna, it took me, it took me a moment 
uh, on Twitter this week to even figure out what was like, what the fuck the sound of freedom was, right? This movie isn't even on my radar. I mean, I mean, it is, it is because I've got my, you know, I've got my fingers in the dirt in terms of indie film, but this film doesn't qualify because it stars Jim Caviezel, Caviezel, yeah, whatever. But anyway, it's not an indie film. It it likes to pretend that it is, but it's not. It's 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 it's, it's a propaganda it, film. It's a propaganda film. That's number one. And so the 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 controversial figure behind the Sound of Freedom is a guy who runs some kind of organization that supposedly uh, goes after child trafficking, but he has also used that platform to make himself millions of dollars and they're this movie they're using it as a almost like a kickstarter it's like a weird kickstarter event that that's in theaters everywhere where they have moved it into theaters and they're encouraging people to donate now the thing about this film is that the tickets are being bought up by faith-based organizations and churches that are buying a lot of tickets for parishioners, not that a lot of people are showing up. Some people are showing up, but regardless of which, even if someone doesn't show up for the tickets, they're selling out theaters, even if they're empty. And the, it looks like a lot of, they're making a lot of money, certainly, but it's not, it's not a lot of people actually seeing the film. And so they have this really big scam, not to mention the fact that at the end of the movie, then something, and this is only speculation, what I've heard, something like a QR code or something comes up and allows you to donate to the film or donate uh, to, I guess, to other screenings or things like that. And people are putting their money in. And so this film is making a lot of money based off of the sort of gullibility of these faith-based organizations. And okay. And so, yeah, it's not to mention, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that the same kind of people who are watching this film to to, to bring it back to an earlier point, but the same people who are playing paying for like Twitter Blue, and I've seen so many of these stupid videos where they have these these I don't know if they're I hate to go full tinfoil hat, but there are a lot of these folks that are coming out and they they're saying like people don't want you to see this film. This is the film that Hollywood doesn't want you to see because we went into an AMC. And the air conditioning was off and the, the, the screen projector broke down and they gave us our money back and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, no, it's not a conspiracy. People don't care. What's, what's happening here is the same thing that's been happening for years. AMC theaters are crappy. There are a lot of these multiplexes are crappy. They're crappy experiences. The reason that you know that they're crappy is because there are literal theater chains whose business model is come here because going there is crappy. The Alamo Draft House in particular, their business model is completely this. It's not come it's here and Alamo drink. Draft House. We're not AMC. Right, exactly. That's literally their whole business model. Come here because people can't talk. We have, we, we built, they literally build their theaters differently. They literally build them so that no matter where you sit in the theater, you have a quality experience where AMC theaters don't because they're built for quantity. They want you to be in a cattle car. They, they don't care if you get stuck at the front too bad for you. And they 
do this. And so the Alamo Draft House does not. Their whole business model is come here, don't go to AMC. Because going to an AMC, you're going to be in a place where the air conditioning is going to break down. You're going to be in a place where they don't know how to project the film. You're going to be in a place where the the, the music and the, the soundtrack is too loud. You're going to, all of these things that happen in regular theaters that degrade the movie experience, they don't happen at these places that build their business model on being the opposite of that. And so yeah. what's happening is not a conspiracy. It's just bad business. And AMC is the spirit airlines of movie theaters. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Kate Tuxford. Thank yes. you. So it's not a conspiracy, folks. It's just a shitty business model. And 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 just oh. oh. Yeah. I and, hate and, it. and so anyway, yeah, people are also taking pictures and posting empty theaters uh that are supposedly sold out. Uh, so a lot of people are throwing their money around for this, but you know, it's really, it's just kind of like a, when a right-wing person comes out with a book and they buy a bunch of copies to make it a bestseller, you know, it's not that people are necessarily sitting down and getting excited to read the book. The support people are going to pay for it, you know, and they are paying for it. So it's, it's one of those awkward things because everybody's like, oh, they're making so much money, but they're probably not because they're paying for all these reviews and watches and whatnot. Right, um, right. So well, so, the thing is, I don't know. The, the thing it depends on who's footing that bill. There's two right. different bills to foot: the movies bill and then the people that are people who are aren't showing up. Right. The problem. The other thing is, and and uh, here's here's a weird thing to say. I wish that the rest of Hollywood would learn from this movie, and because what what the Sound of Freedom has. Is something that something like a Joy Ride does not have. Joy Ride is a from what I from what I've heard a pretty decent film that's out in theaters right now that's kind of tanking at the box office. And the reason that it's tanking is not because it's a, necessarily a bad film, but certainly the marketing was very bad. It didn't have an identity, and so many of these films that are coming out now is and people that they sort of the the conversation is why are these Hollywood blockbusters tanking because they're they're anonymous to a certain extent I know that they're franchises but people are we have movie savvy audiences and something like a joyride it just it doesn't really have any sort of identity in terms of the marketing you they they toss that they you know they toss the actors into a junket but you're in a junket in a time where everyone from Tom Cruise to Christopher Nolan to Cillian Murphy to Margot Robbie to Jennifer Lawrence, everyone else is in a junket. And yeah. so you're you're in a junket parade. So if you're the tiny film in the junket parade, no one's really looking at your float. You're not going to get recommended by the algorithm because there's too much noise and you don't have anything for people to hang their hat on. You're just like, it's a movie, and that's not really going to work in 2023. It's not going to work. And what people want is they want to care, even if they're caring for the wrong thing. But the but the thing about Sound of Freedom is what they have in, in what they have that that Joyride doesn't is that people care. The folks yeah. who are out there prophetizing like every woo, you gotta see it. Woo, they're out to get us. Hollywood doesn't want you to see it. They're they're committed. These people yeah. are, and they're loud. 
No one is doing that for Joyride because they they don't know what Joyride is. They don't know. And, and I think I think also there's this this stigma specifically uh, with Joyride and other comedies is that everybody right. says well, comedies, American comedies, don't make money overseas, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's kind of this like, well, I don't want to make a lot of effort because I know it's not going to net a lot of return. But even if you look back at like 15 years ago when they were advertising comedies, you know, the, or, or even if you look at like no hard feelings marketing, like mm -hmm. all around LA, there was pictures of, do you want to buy this car? Oh, do you want this car? Date our son, like in a website, right. which at least got you talking. You're like, okay, what? Or I was thinking like forgetting Sarah Marshall when that came out. I remember buses coming by and it was stuff like, my mom never liked you, Sarah Marshall, and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, I kind of get this, like, nastiness of a breakup. We're going to talk ill about somebody. But they're not really putting out a bunch of marketing of any type for comedy right now. And, you know, even the car one, I'm assuming that that's L.A. special. And my guess is you're probably not going to see that in middle America. So they don't get to get excited about it. Well, Barbie had that amazing marketing thing that they did a few months back, where they did those the, that thing that everybody could put their 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 picture. So we in or we were Barbies, and yeah, classic. we were all Barbies. It was a brilliant piece of marketing. You know what I mean? Like Megan had those dancers. Every time one of these films does a like you know like a like it, people, you got to come outside the box because otherwise yeah. people are just they, like if you put ads for it during the NBA, nobody gives a shit. You know what I mean? They're there to watch the NBA. They're there. They're the ads aren't cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't give a shit. Like you got to do that stuff where you know you got to make you got to personalize it. You got to make people feel like they're a part of the experience. That's the whole point of marketing. But some of these films have gotten lazy, and where you see these films, you know, where it's just like, why did this? Film I'm gonna I'm gonna argue the filmmakers aren't getting lazy. It's it's studios no, it's the mar and marketing. It's the studios yeah. and marketers, yeah. But yeah. it, like where the studios and market, they just they just toss it up and be like, well, we spent this amount of money, you know, in terms of you know putting it out there, you know, in terms of uh, P and A, I think it's what it's called, you know, print and advertising, yeah, yeah. And they just toss a bunch of stuff out there, and they're just like, hey, that should put asses in seats, and then they wonder why it doesn't happen. Like you may have had the visibility, but you didn't differentiate yourself from the other stuff. You're in a crowded marketplace again, and it's the first time in a long time that we've had a crowded marketplace. But I think people are overwhelmed by it. I'm, I'm, I know myself. I'm, I'm, I'm very much a film goer. You know, I try to go to the movies as much as humanly possible, and even I feel a little overwhelmed. I'm just like, I can't. It's too much. You know what I mean? And I know if it's if it's me who is one of if, if one of the flock is feeling overwhelmed then the uninitiated are completely overwhelmed. You know what I mean? So it's got to be it's got to be something like The Sound of Freedom where it's got to be this is this is the most important movie that you're going to see because they don't want you to see it. Like, you know, I don't I'm not saying that you have to go full like tinfoil hat, but it's got to be something in that vein. It's got to be personalized. It's got to feel a reason for it, especially with how high ticket prices are, but I'm not going to go into that cuz we'll be here all day. Let's <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, speaking of moving on, let's talk about Emmy noms. Well, the, I think Emmy noms are a great transition to what we're going to jump into after this, because the Emmy nominations came out the same day SAG after I declared their strike. Yeah, they were um, kind of DOA, man. It was really like, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I, I did, did you get a chance to look at the list of Emmy noms yet? I did, because Rhea Seahorn is nominated for Best Supporting Act actress if for a better call saw and let me tell you something folks i said this on twitter and i'll say it out loud it's not even close 
There's no one in that category that comes even close. Rhea Seahorn all day. Better call Saul. I'm standing <laughs> it. I, was, I said it. I'm here to represent it. You know, I was, I, you know, I saw a lot of really wonderful, deserving people on there. And I'm not here to, like, bring anyone down because for many actors, like, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to get nominated you know right. so so this isn't really towards actors at all but i was a little disappointed that there weren't more shows being like kind of shouted out yep there was you know a lot a lot of noms from succession a lot from white lotus and i was like yeah and, and they're big ensemble pieces so i understand there's a lot of people in there giving it all but there are completely whole other shows that i felt like were amazing uh, and didn't even get a nod. I was thinking specifically, I was mad about Reservation Dogs. Mm. Just, I mean, that's that's pretty big show here. But also, I think that like it is so unique. You know what I'm show. mad about? What are you mad about? Come on. What's Swan. my show? Oh, uh, what's your show? Not Suits. Atlanta. No, well, yes, Atlanta. Yes, completely Atlanta. There is none for Atlanta, and that's that. There isn't anything for Atlanta, and they normally. Uh, get some nods or noticed that yeah. and especially since it was the final season of Atlanta that's number one but number two which I thought both of them should have gotten um, for best lead actor was Sarah Chalk and Katherine Heigl for Firefly Lane <laughs> I should have no, known it was Firefly Lane we literally just talked about that with Cindy I, we, and did, was, we did we yeah, did yeah and I was just like no give them all the Emmy nods and they got none and I'm very upset about it and so and like there was a lot of sentiment on Twitter about this where people were like, does the Academy only watch like five shows? Like, yeah. is there is there <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is there, and I, did they just miss the rest of television? Like what is happening here? And and like the bear is good drama, although I'm with Cindy, it's not a comedy, but it is a half hour. So it is taking up some of those traditional more ha ha funny show comedy half hour spaces. Mm -hmm. um because it is a it is an odd duck so to speak and I, I like it's good show so obviously it should get its due but it is a little disappointing to see like I think some beloved shows just kind of get missed because because of yeah exactly what you're saying um yeah well I'm gonna I'm not gonna spend this too long on that other than if your show was not nominated I'm so sorry but uh, Rob and I were also disappointed mm -hmm. uh, and speaking of disappointing, when you are disappointed, turn it into anger and turn your anger into striking. Because that's the topic of the week. It's strike time and we're making it a double. That's a drink reference, Rob, but you don't drink. So we'll pretend it's baseball? No, I don't think that's going to work. But it, strike, <laughs> uh, SAG-AFTRA and the WGA have are on currently on strike. And together, the, together, and this is the first time that has happened since 1960, as everyone keeps reminding us. The last time that they were on strike together, they were on strike. As my dad actually pointed this out to me, they were on strike because what was happening was, as things were moving to television, they they were actually fighting for residuals. There, there were people moving from sort of once upon a time in Hollywood style, they were moving from the big screen to the small screen. And as they were moving from there, they did not have the same 
protections because the again the producers were trying to argue oh no no this is a completely different thing it's no 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 it's not like it's not like film no you shouldn't be able to have the same kind of things that that you're getting over on that side this is a whole new medium and so if it's a whole new medium you don't need you don't need these protections you don't need these residuals you don't need any of that and so as that was going on there were some folks who stepped up it feels really, really, really like the 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 circle the the snake eating its tail, right here. It's just there's too many parallels. It's just real weird, but it like like every every few like you know every few decades we're gonna have to have the same fucking fight over and over again, and some lady from comedy is gonna have to bail us out. So you know just just. Yep, yep. Here we are again. But in a way, I guess, as the other side of things is, that was a very successful strike in 1960. Mm -hmm. This is why residuals were born, TV protections were born. They did it then. We can do it now. Because we are in a new medium. We are trying to make sure people get paid properly for their work. And yes, people get greedy, and it takes sometimes unions and labor movements to say no. You know, that, that we're not an algorithm. We are people who have to pay our bills. So I wanted to just kind of cover some of the big topics, just in case you're the type of person who has a busy week and you haven't had a chance to really, like, learn what some of the issues are. First thing you'll probably notice is there's some deadline articles that have been floating around this week yeah. that, that have been a little incendiary. The first one, the one that happened right before the SAG official strike, I have it pulled up as a deadline article from a, there's a Dominic Patton wrote it, but. Um, and we'll link it in the show notes. We'll link it. Yeah. But I want to have a quote uh, here where Patton quotes a exec who is anonymous and you'll probably figure out why in a second. He says, let's see. The end game is to allow things to drag on. This is the exec talking. Uh, allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses, as studio executive told Deadline. Acknowledging the cold as ice approach, several other sources reiterated this statement. So not just one person speaking out of their butt. And the ins one insider he talked to called it a cruel but necessary evil. So... Yeah. That, that, uh, first of all, it's, would you be surprised that necessary, it's not necessary to make people go homeless. I don't, I don't know what they think the word necessary means, but there's no situation where you're like, wow, we want to make more money. And the only way we can do that is, uh, to make you go homeless. So this is necessary. That's not what necessary means, folks. That's, yeah. Well, it depends on your perspective, Kate. Talks well, yes, because... I, I believe inhuman beings uh <laughs> being treated well but yes it's very telling it's very very telling and this went out right before the sag strike was official and you know i think some people theorize we, there's theories because at some point somebody's like yeah quote me on this this will be good let's mm -hmm. put it in deadline and it was not received well um i don't know if you know why it wasn't received well but threatening homelessness on uh, labor is it's a little coach, right? Uh, Depends on where you eat lunch. Depends yes. on, you know. Yes. If... <laughs> it's, it's very let them eat cake. And and so it did not go well. It just angered writers. There were more writers 
that were like, good, I've been getting tired going every day to this strike. Now I'm full of anger and ready to go again. So that didn't work out too well. And then obviously the next day, SAG went on strike. So there was an idea of maybe it was like a fear approach. Like the the actors and the and the writers were going to go, oh, no, I can't lose my house. Um, but many of them have been responding like jokes on you. I haven't been able to afford a house right. because you don't you didn't pay me. Um, and that's kind of like a, a little bit of the sardonic response to this type of thing is people are like, well, you, you know, studios have a very bad history of paying on time, paying correctly, not shorting people. Um, so people who work in the industry, many of them have a side hustle or a main gig just to make sure they can stay afloat. So it's not like it's not like they're going to just suddenly, uh, oh, no, I was really expecting you to pay me this time. Um, yeah, that's the yeah. that's the weird part, because you're right. Like, you know, in terms of and you and I, neither one of us are in the guild, but we both understand, you know, working with, you know, different things where you know, even going back and forth between options and things like that. But we understand the idea. Like, there, is, it's not like there isn't a job market outside of screenwriting. Sure, we would love to be getting paid full-time to write full-time. But at the same time, we are famously known for being able to hold down a day, a, a survival job, as they're called, and and write at the same time. That's That's literally a thing that we're known for. So for me, it's kind of really weird that it's like, you think we're gonna starve? Like, we'll, we'll certainly, we certainly won't be doing very well, you know what I mean? But we weren't doing that great before. And it's not like- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, and I saw this great meme, uh, is a Marvel meme, I need to send it to you, is Captain America is talking to uh, the Hulk, you know, and he's saying like, be angry and he responds back i'm always angry yeah uh so they took it and they said you know the amtpt wants you you know they're trying to keep this strike going until you go broke and then the whole response back you know well thing is i'm already broke <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> or i'm always broke you know so you know everyone's kind of dealing with like a lot of sarcasm and stuff um this isn't by the way we have crew and people who are suffering because of this and if you're listening your pain and what you're going through is not unheard. There are many people who are extremely stressed out. You know, you might be crew, you might be a writer, you might be an actor, and you were counting on the money, you know, in the upcoming months to to make your bills. So this is not to be facetious and pretend that that's not happening. But to pretend that that's never happened in Hollywood is a bit of a, a misunderstanding from, yeah. the, from the studios. So, so that was the first uh, of the many wonderful deadline articles uh but it did get people starting to wonder like whose side is deadline on right deadline uh became a known publication when the last writer strike came out in the 2007 2008 and they're reporting in on the strike and so i think there was kind of a, a understanding in the back of people's minds that like deadlines with us right deadline was born from labor and came from labor uh but the person who owns deadline is part of the AMPTP, the studios. Deadline is not necessarily anybody's friend here. And it's just kind of a little buyer beware if you guys find any articles in the upcoming weeks or months, you may find stuff that makes it seem like, oh, the mean actors and the mean writers are holding out and being, you know, being petulant. And that is that, look, at, look for that take because you may find it. And then, 
you know, overall, there's just, you know, so the take we're kind of watching out for is that the actors are pushing everyone else out for, you know, for holding out. And so you're going to see a couple of articles like that come through deadline. Just be prepared for it because they're kind of the, 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 the take the negative take is that oh well since they went on strike we all can't work our jobs and now we all suffer because you guys aren't happy right that, that's <laughs> the sort of the take that bob Iger took this week they were yes. he, he went on cn cnbc and <laughs> he took a break from his billionaires conference to go do this interview this, so he's this- a- I saw the part of the the interview that the the clip of this interview, man, and I I just it was it was kind of stunning indifference. You know what I mean? It just it just tells you like when you say, like you were saying earlier, like what who believes that it's necessary to starve a writer? You you look you Bob Iger is the poster child for that. Like you're looking at someone who, which by is, the way, Bob Iger could be the exec that leaked that quote. Who they, we don't know, but the, well, the I, Ron Perlman made a threatening thing, and he referred to like I'm going to come get you, person who makes 27 million a year, and that's Bob Iger's salary. So I'm right. like, maybe it's Bob. Maybe it is. I don't know. I think it was either him or Zaslav, one or the other. But you know, but Bob Iger, he got on CNBC and he starts talking about how that the the actors' demands and the writers' demands are. Well, yeah, as I said, he mentioned, he said disturbing. He called yeah, they're disturbing. Yeah. He specifically, and, he was calling the WAGA's demands disturbing. Yeah, and that they were unrealistic. And when this the interviewer from CNBC pushed him on why, he said, well, I, I can't tell you. He literally says, I can't tell you. And for me, it that's sort of like, it, they don't have a reasoning. Other, other than we, they don't want folks to realize that they have this kind of power because as soon as you have this kind of power that you you can demand fair treatment and that if you look at like the kind of things that that you know that this industry is privy to like I always bring up the fact that Ed Solomon every year he shows everyone the financials behind men in black and how despite four sequels was it no it's there's three sequels and a spin-off cartoon nearly and, nearly a half a billion dollars right. in profit but all it, but but the cost is always like three or four million dollars more right so they can't afford to pay him residuals because the movie is still not in the black it's still in the red and that's the kind of that's the kind of fuckery that 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 these that these that the MPTP is that's what they're known for and if you can get away with that because you know of the rules that are in place why would you want to capitulate to these people that you are fucking on the regular like they do they they fuck us they fuck us with free work they fuck us with their financials they're constantly fucking us and yeah. so if you're doing that, you certainly don't want to get into a position where you're capitulating to them because then people might say, well, why are you fucking us over here when we can clearly fuck you? 
Like that you don't want to give in to that. And so that's why they want to starve you. That's why they want you to lose your home. They want you desperate. They want you to take what they're offering because right. that's that's what this whole thing is, you know, it's about. And he just Zaslov had been doing his very best to make himself sort of like the poster child of the the AMPTP, like the bad boy. But then Bob Iger came in and just swung a big dick and just <laughs> yeah, there, there, there was some minor Zazov news this week, which is somebody realized that his Venmo was not private. Did yeah, you see this? I did. This, is, this was unrelated, but it did give me a smile because they could look at his Venmo history. Also, several people requested $30,000 from him, etc., for canceling their shows, right. which he denied. Yeah, the other thing that, you know, as they were going through, like... Like, as they were talking about unrealistic demands, and this came out about the actor, the Screen Actors Guild, that the things they, as they went on strike, they did the same thing that the Writers Guild did. They released certain demands that the AMPTP was trying to put on them or that they refused in terms of what was being negotiated during the strike. The Writers Guild did this and released a very lengthy point by point like this is what we asked for. This is what they gave us. Oh but, yeah, and like in fact, the, like some were refused. What is it? Refused to meet demands. Refused to offer a counter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Refused to offer a counter proposal at all. Just ignored it. And then, but the Screen Actors Guild released a pretty big whopper in that they released this negotiation point. Which, by the, the way, the AMPTP says it's a historic deal. Yeah, it's a historic deal. And part of this historic deal would be that background actors will be paid a single day rate to be and then be allowed to be scanned and their image be used in perpetuity without their consent. That's it. Like, you you could be in and no any additional number pay. of... Right. No, you don't get money for your scan your scan likeness appearing you just get paid one day for the scanning um and it's a day rate which a day rate for background actors probably not going to go over three hundred dollars no it's actually right around two hundred dollars and right so about 200 yeah, yeah. and so for two hundred dollars you can have your likeness stolen for all time and then they can put you in whatever movie that they want like you can be a you you know you you find yourself in in a movie about cats and kittens you know, uh, directed by Kay Tuxford, and then the next thing you know, you're in a Nazi movie, playing a Nazi, and you're and you're a Nazi, yeah, yeah, you're a Nazi because and, because and, likeness, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think I think number one, if you and I can remember, some of our favorite actors started around started as background actors or like you mm -hmm. know one of one of the most famous I was thinking of, and he was actually out there speaking about it is uh, Sean Gunn. Who played Kirk in Gilmore Girls? He was a background actor. I think he had a line in the first episode. He always played like a clerk or a salesman. Ended yeah. up becoming a regular on the show and like one of the townspeople. So he's in almost every episode of Gilmore Girls. Became bigger. Now, obviously, his brother might be a guy named James Gunn. Um, and he's now in like Guardians of the Galaxy and like all these other bigger parts. The question then asks back then when he was on the WB lot doing pilot of Gilmore Girls and he was a background actor and they scanned him you know are we saying that if somebody becomes bigger why would they actually use him you know they could right. just 
use his body and make him do whatever, you know, make him dance. You know, it also means that if you get scanned as a background actor, your career is kind of over before it begun. Yeah. And this is a big sticking point for the actors and because a lot of the, you know, just not just because of that, but also like there, there is a, not a, anyway, they, it leads to people getting to be able to make a living doing what they want to do at their craft. And that's the whole point of this. Now you yeah. can't, if this, like, you know, some of these producers obviously are the same. And so if they have your likeness and they're like, instead of calling you to X, Y, or Z set, after you do one, they've got your likeness. They'll just like, well, we'll just put them in the background for this. And no, that all those jobs are gone. And you've lost out on so how untold number of uh, dollars because they scanned you and they can just put you in God knows what. One, yeah. one thing on Tyler Perry Studios. My God, can you imagine? That would just be insane. It would just, it would literally cut that off that ecosystem. I'm sure it would save producers a lot of money, but at the same time, there would be a lot of actors who would go hungry. And it would, it, it, it that is catastrophic as a, as a sticking point. And I can't even believe that the AMPTP would offer this. And it just shows you, well, shows you that level of villainy. Just villainy. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the fact that they're like, look, you only have to come in one day and it's great. Yeah. Um, Screw you, man. But then also, if you check out Twitter, there are actors who are speaking up. It's not like they haven't started scanning people, right? You know, there are people who are like, oh, I got scanned for some reason, or they said, you know, for maybe for post or whatever, and now they're like, but I don't, you know, I didn't agree to be like perpetually in their system forever, you know. And so there is that, and also kind of serendipitous is Joan is awful on black mirror came out right before the SAG strike highly recommended even if you're not a black mirror fan fan because it was all about you know creating these scan cgi likenesses and being able to make people do whatever you want them to do the quick plot in Joan is awful is a woman wakes up in an entire Netflix series. It's not Netflix. It's called Streamberry. Series has been made overnight about her, Joan, starring... Blah, 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 blah. Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek. Thank you. Um, and she realizes whatever she does every day, Selma Hayek does it in the show and then starts doing some fucked up shit to piss off Selma Hayek <laughs> to start with. But really, uh, it's a really great look at like what people could do, how actors could wind up being treated, how they could wind up agreeing, even if they don't want to, to, as you said, becoming a Nazi or, you know, showing up in The Sound of Freedom 6, you know, talking about QAnon when they did not agree to it, you know, things right. like that. I, when Charlie did that episode of Black Mirror, did, did he know it was going to come around so fast? Like, that's the, that's, is that the fastest that a Black Mirror episode has come back around? You know I think I mean? he must have. I think Netflix it cracks me up that they're like, Black Mirror can't go wrong. Let's throw it up there. <laughs> and they didn't think maybe we should hold off until after the SAG strike. Jonah's Awful is specifically cited and, like, and brought the, up. Yeah. What the hell, man? That's just a, I mean, it's a big slice of irony. And it it's so great. And it is also a sign. I think a lot of times people think these studios are being super Machiavellian. But at the end of the day, Netflix said, oh, Black Mirror, can't miss, gonna make money. Didn't even think about what the Black Mirror episode was gonna be about. Just saw Good the night, bottom line. And they, you know, if if Joan is Awful hadn't come out right before this, I think some people 
wouldn't get it as much as they get it after that show. And they say, oh, shit, we can't do that. Right. Well, yeah. speaking of Black Mirror, let's yeah. move on to what should we be doing in terms of our writing projects? This is sort of the second part of this whole thing about the strike. Like, what yeah. should we be writing? Should we be writing? And I I feel like a lot of people, this happened, I, you know what, in a lot of ways, I feel like this is sort of the pandemic part two, where, you know what I mean? It feels a oh, lot yeah. like that, where everybody was like, there's some people who are just like, hey, guys, we're not writing like pencils down in terms of being paid. But at the same time, they're like, you should be writing. You should be writing. You should be writing. And everybody else is kind of like, I don't know. I'm feeling like too demoralized. You know, should I be writing? Then you're feeling bad about not that you're not writing because you should be writing or you feel bad about the fact that you should be writing. And so there's it's like, wow, didn't we, yeah, didn't or we like just leave this party? Um, it's hard sometimes because like a lot of times you're like oh i gotta finish these pages because these people want to read it and this and this and this but considering we don't know how long the strike is going the question right. is is like you know i've experienced this where i'm like i'm in the middle of working i'm like who's gonna read this like anytime soon mm -hmm. uh except for my good friend rob yes. who reads everything i ask him to but it, it does get demoralizing because you you know people who work on a deadline or are looking to make the next step up, it doesn't feel like you're moving anywhere. Right. And as to what you should be writing, because there's a lot of talk, and that's the, the there's a, uh, I'm like, I'm calling it ambulance chasing in terms of, you know, we're, we're doing this again, we're doing this again, we're doing this again. This whole thing about this box office thing of Hollywood is failing. So now everybody's trying to find out which ambulance to chase in terms of box office trends. And what should we be writing in all of this? Oh, God, guys, just write what's interesting to you. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, guaranteed, oh, not guaranteed, but almost assuredly, anything that you write that is a personal thing that gets any kind of attention, it's very rare for that to actually end up as a thing. I know everyone, you know, every once in a while there's a there's a severance where something that someone wrote ends up on something like the blood list and then it gets made. You know, yeah, yeah, it gets made. It gets turned into a thing produced and directed by Ben Stiller and it's on Apple TV. Like every once in a while we get one of those, one of those Cinderella stories, and everybody's like, whoop. But for the most part, what's going to happen is you're even if it gets some kind of attention in a contest or this or that, the first thing that they're going to ask you is, what else you got? Yeah. So, or, or they're going to go, this sample is great. I know somebody who's working on something. We can get you for a, an OWA. Uh, right. Right. One hundred percent. And yeah. then so it doesn't matter. What you you just you still the 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 number one thing is write something good, and yeah. what the best thing that you're going to write is something that you're interested in. And so, in terms of what you should be writing is whatever you're interested in the most. Don't chase trends. I understand people are saying they don't buy original IPs and all this. Ignore all that. Ignore it because as William Goldman once told us, K Toxford, nobody knows anything. Exactly, and so. There for you know there are the occasional severances and they come from stuff that's not based on any kind of IP or anything like that. It's just somebody's brain. Somebody wrote something that was cool. And if you listen to any of the interviews with 
Dan Erickson, the creator of Severance, who he talks about like his original script was really weird. And a lot of it got ixnayed because Ben Stiller, when he came on board, was like, no, if it's weird, it's got there's got to be a reason for it. And so that's the magic of development. But it it got attention because the script was weird. It was out of the box and people didn't understand. Like, oh, people were like, what is what is what are these things and what are those things? And so write the stuff that's that's that 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 floats your boat. Write what you want to see out there in the world. That's still a thing. And yeah. so, you know. I want I want to piggyback on there because sure. I think this is number one where we are in this. Oh, man, I feel like we can do the like advertisement from COVID in these uncertain times. <laughs> um, no, there's no saying once once this is done, what's going to be on trend or mm-hmm. not. Um I will say, as far as IP, I ran into places that, I mean, just like superhero movies, they get oversaturated. You know, it's like one thing that this this industry does do is they say, oh, ice cream cones are in. We're all going to eat an ice cream cone. And then the first cone is great. So then they get six more ice cream cones. And eventually everyone gets a tummy cake and we stop eating ice cream cones. Right. So there's, the, I mean. Now it's back to kale. Now it's back to kale. Right. Because we got to lose weight from all the ice cream. So there's there's this is why they always tell us, as you said, ambulance chasers chasing trends. You're always behind on the trends. And also, especially if you're a new person jumping in, you're going to be last in line to get the ice cream. The A-listers can like get that ice cream right away. So you really don't need to try to like compete or beat anyone there to the trend. Instead, you want to, as you said, write something in your own voice that's of interest to you. I've read. I was a script reader for many years and I know occasionally I like soapbox on it here. I lost count on the contest scripts I was reading five or six years ago. I was somewhere around 2000 entries that I had read of screenplays. And since then I've only read more. Yeah. So I've read, I, at least now I can at least say several thousand screenplays. And the big problem with a lot of them is they, they would not that they were bad, but they were mediocre and they lacked a voice and a style. They didn't take risks, you know, they didn't take risks and you can kind of tell where somebody basically finished a draft and said, ah, good enough, you know, or I think, (laughs) I think this is what they want, you know, or, you know, the industry seems to be buying a lot of stuff like this and it really pays you a lot more to do something different, unique, weird in your voice um, versus trying to just emulate what you're seeing. Chat GPT emulates movies you don't have to emulate a movie script you can just come up with your own ideas um and i think that's one of the biggest problems here is when you're when you're sitting there and going what should i be writing what should i be writing especially right now write your weird ass script let it be really fucking weird or Mm -hmm. really fucking you like i when i pitched feed 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 to rob he went of course you're writing this right you know, of course you're writing this about a demon cat, about da da da. It's so you. Also, you should be writing it because who else is going to do that? Like you're going to do that. And you want to kind of find concepts like that where somebody goes, oh my gosh, that's so you uh, when you pitch it or, you know, not just what seems hot, but what seems like you're going to tell it really well. Right. That's in your particular wheelhouse. And yeah. that's going to, like you said, showcase your voice as something where if some if you get because this is the other thing people are always asking like 
how do we get things made? And I said this to someone recently. I was like, because the one thing that you need, besides if you're not going to make it yourself, the thing that you need to find is someone who is willing to throw themselves in into traffic in order to like when the news crew shows up to find out what happened at the accident, they're selling your screenplay. Like that's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> You know ah. what I mean? That's what it has to be. And so the next part is like, who are we allowed to pass our scripts to? Agents, managers, producers, other screenwriters? Other screenwriters, certainly. There is, you know, it's not it's yeah. not legal to, it's not against SAG, uh, with Screen Actors rule. I mean, sorry, uh, WGA rules to pass your scripts to other people or yeah, to directors uh even. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a good time to pass that around because people have free time to give notes. Right. Uh, so you're, you know, use this time to have a lot of reads if possible, and then also do some freaking reading for them. You know, don't just expect everyone to read your script and you're not going to read any in return. Okay. Right. Uh, it never fails. Like I run into a new person at a meeting, and the first thing they say is like, "Will you read my script?" And I'm like. You don't want to read one of mine? Do you want to even know if I'm qualified to read your script? You know, right. they don't care. They're just they're just doing me, 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 you know. Yeah. And and we can see that a mile away. So be a team player, put in the work as well as you know, contribute and and you'll get that in return. You should not really be working with producers in any creative way right now, especially a producer that is a affiliated with a studio that's part of the AMPTP. Mm -hmm. If you happen to be making a short film that you're writing and also happen to be producing, that's fine. If you are working with somebody who is working as a line producer on set for you or working independently, that's fine. But you should not be working with anybody who says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm affiliated with Netflix or I'm you know I'm affiliated with Warner Brothers anything like that those are struck companies those are a big no-no so in general if somebody says they're a producer you might want to find out what kind yeah and the same thing kind of goes for agents and managers a lot of them have put a, a sort of moratorium on who they're taking on. they're not really taking on new clients and I guess you can keep querying I wouldn't expect to hear anything because you, yes and no yes and no yeah. so so i've ran into some agents and man i've ran into some managers and i've talked to them and some of them are like read 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 client 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 re-up re-up they're like stalking like like they're arms dealers needing to get ready for war and they're adding writers i guess just kind of prepping for the day they can break out others are far more discerning right now because they know when it comes back they have to get the people they already have on their roster work and they can't necessarily overcommit themselves so and i think some of the people who are signing like crazy right now they're not necessarily in the best interest of writers because they're looking for just one hit and then they're probably going to drop a lot, a lot of those people right and it just more so than less so than producers, but you should be wary because a lot of these managers are also producers and they may not be under struck companies, but they are in that sort of vibe. And depending on who they know, they may have connections if they pass your script to the wrong person that could come back later on and bite you in the butt. So 
just be careful if you meet out with a manager and they're talking about possibly floating your script around. In certain instances, it's a good thing, but it, right now it's kind of a weird time. So just be wary. Yeah, be, be a, yeah, be, and you know, the WGA has a phone line where you can call with your scenarios and they can tell you if it is or isn't considered scabbing. So what I would do is if you do have a manager and he says, I want to send it to so-and-so, get it in writing, where it's going to send and check with the WGA and be like, hey, my manager gave me notes. He wants someone else to read it. Really, if you're working somewhere in the development portion, it should be fine as long as it's just, oh, I'm working with my writers to create their script. It's good. If it's I'm sending out to get attachment and interest, it's probably not a good idea. Right. Uh, and it, it would definitely be something you'd need to like make sure WGA gives you like 100% go for it. And they probably won't, to be honest. And the reason is, is you know, we're not trying to make the AMPTP homeless, but if they don't have anything that they can produce or make, they can't make any money. And the sooner they don't make money and they have a bad shareholding quarter, the sooner they will come back and maybe consider, you know, coming, coming in and meeting in the middle. So, which again, nobody has to be homeless for that, but they probably might need a bad shareholder quarter. You mentioned, and I think this is a fantastic time for it, much like during the, uh, during COVID is this is a really great networking time. And I, I am very much in agreement with you. I have noticed a ton of networking events around LA. There's a lot of events that like right now there's a PWJ event. They do it every month. I think there's a donation where you can donate to green groceries, which gives grocery cards to striking labor. And so you go to this like brewery, you donate some money to green groceries, you meet people, you have a beer, you network. Those are great things to be going to right now because everyone has time to go and donating, even though you can't necessarily go buy everybody's groceries, if you donate and they make those gift cards, then more people are going to get helped out. Right. And there are the sort of things that we've been talking about. Some of that falls under networking. There are it querying, I guess, like I, like we said, isn't off limits. And there are, there is a lot of stuff happening on picket lines where people are putting names to faces and things of that sort, especially in terms of, you know, folks that were casual Twitter acquaintances, but they're getting to meet out in the real world. And so there's a lot of IRL networking happen, happening, but just like Kate Tuxford said, this is not a time necessarily for you to be asking people who you don't really know, or at least you're opening a relationship with to just start reading your screenplay. That is, don't, don't. And it's, mm, there are folks out there who, who seem to be out there thinking that the strike is something out there to work for them. And that's just not the way that it should. The people are out there to show solidarity and they're out there to make a statement. And you're certainly welcome to get familiar with people, but it's you're they're not there to read your screenplay. Don't be a dick. So Yeah. Yeah, I think it's far better if you're gonna go out there and pick it for technique. Do you mind I'm interrupting you? You mind no, if you're I good. Okay. So first of all, when people are picketing, they're move they're they're doing a job, right? I like I was on the Netflix lot striking on Friday, 
Oh my God. I was so excited because Adam Conover is the strike captain over there and he was working that day. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Adam Conover. But he's working. I'm mm-hmm. working. You can't stop like it's Comic-Con and go harass him while he's trying to make sure everybody gets hydrated right. and is moving along in the line. And I can't stop and not strike just because I want to geek out. That being said, when you're lo- walking around, you're talking to people, you're bringing it up. We, we had some, we had banter, you know, and, and so you are making rapport with these people. What I'm doing with a lot of people is saying, are you on threads? Are you on Twitter? You know, can I follow you so that I can later on be like, Woo, you know, we were at the strike together. Woo, you know, go, right. go labor, go writer. That's not an ask, right? Everyone doesn't mind having another follower that is pro what they're doing right now. And that will kind of get you in the circle in the wheelhouse. It's also great if you end up taking a picture and you, you oh, I got you in the background. Do you want me to, do you want a copy? You can give it that or I'll post it. This is my, this is my Twitter. If you want it, come get it. You know, that way they don't have to give you information. You can still communicate with these people, but don't expect them to just like stop and drop everything and baby you. Right. So there's a way to do things. There's a way to network, but be respectful. Understand that there are rules and just don't be a dick. Just, you know, folks, just don't. So the other thing about the writing thing, and this is more on my side, is that Mark Ruffalo came out and was like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should like start making our own films. And everybody started talking about SAG waivers for independent companies and independent producers to in order to make indie films. And I'm, of course, a lot of <laughs> indie film Twitter was like, hey, welcome to the party. We've been here. You Would you guys like some cake? We've got cake. It's not, we don't have a lot of it, but there's some, you know what I mean? But My the, wife made it. Yeah. yeah. She's also crafty. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, but for me, it's like, this is that time. Like, you should be making things because that's the thing. The thing that drives me the craziest about this strike is that on all sides, the fact of the matter is, is that we are throwing ourselves at the, the AMPTP and asking them to play fair when they have no intentions of playing fair because they haven't, they don't. They screw us. As I said before, constantly on everything. And they have a business that's based off of, for the most part, free work. Everyone knows this. It's not even a secret. And so for me, it's just kind of like, why not just, if we're going to work for free, why not work for free for ourselves? Why not band together and get a bunch of folks and get a bunch of artists together and then do stuff and then either sell to them on the comeback or go direct to the consumer. Let's show them, let's make cool stuff and show them that like, fine, if you don't do it, we're still artists. Like we can do things, we can pull our resources and there's there's cool stuff that can be made for a small amount of dollars in favor budgeting versus like, you know, things where, you know, you have to have like giant, we don't need 300, million dollars dial of destiny money to make something cool it just takes artists being artists and making cool shit and so i'm just i am i'm in 100 percent agreement one of my favorite movies of last year uh was language lessons which is really i think there was three actors max 
two really. And that was riveting. Like I sat down with two different groups of people and they were hooked. And this, this movie, I mean, maybe they paid their actors and their team. A little, this movie was a micro budget and you could, I mean, you know it, but it was made same, over Zoom. Yeah, it was made over Zoom, but it's well-written. It's a compelling story. The performances are great. I wound up on Max. I don't know if it's still there right now, but it's worth checking out. But something like that they made during the pandemic. I think it's a good template for for you if you're sitting there going, well, what can I do right now? Right. Um, is definitely look at that. And even if you make something and it's, oh, it's not everything I wanted it to be. You got some practice in right now. You know, right. nobody's nobody's project 100 percent of the time is going to be amazing but the more you take hits at the back the more you're going to i mean strikes at the bat the more likely you're going to hit the ball if you do it only once you could miss and then you're then it's over so it's okay if it doesn't work out but you should still be trying right and this also goes back to one of the things like what like what should we be writing there is i literally well this is sort of what how to make a movie for a thousand dollars is about. Like it's one of those things where I literally write to these sort of conditions all the time. I write to strike conditions constantly. And so it's one of those kind of situations where you should be, I feel like a lot of us should have a screenplay that we could shoot on a phone for for beer abstaining money. You know, where you're just like, I'm not going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to issue my, my, my regular bar habits or my regular, you know, Starbucks and I'm going to take coffee from home and I'm going to take that money and save it. And I'm going to make a film with that. And I feel like one of the things that you could do now, since we have the time, since you have, since nothing is being put out there technically you have the time to maybe sit down and brainstorm a no budget a literal no budget feature film or short film or some combination thereof you know whatever Sketch, some, a no, even yeah depending right, on your genre yeah. a scene like you know the, yeah. remember when they did that that scene from the proposed robin williams movie that they wanted to do and it blew up the entire internet that was just the one scene it was just a scene and yeah. it depending on the content you can literally just take a scene and go well this is just one scene you know 45 or, or you know 36 from um from the movie that we want to do you know take a scene and from a movie that you've outlined and write the full scene and and then do that scene just no budget make it easy to do and write it and then you don't necessarily have to shoot it but I feel like we should all have one of those things in our arsenal now. And with this strike being the way that it is, we all have the time to create that. We have yeah. the space. And so I'm not saying that you have to make it, but it would be cool to have that in your back pocket because you never know when you're going to meet somebody who comes along who's got that crazy energy, got that crazy Rob Hagen's energy, and is going to come in and be like, I want to work and do a no-budget thing. Let's just do something over the weekend and make something crazy cool. And then you're like, all right, I've got this script that's more like a scene or it's a this or a that. And they're like, bet, let's go and make a thing. And you, you know, because you had it, because you had the time, you guys yeah. were able to make something cool. And I think, I think, I think one of the things I try to hammer home, and it's not what everyone wants to hear, but more people are available are able to make a low budget micro budget no budget script than you know that are available than people who can make a 
$200 million. Only a certain amount of people in the industry are able to get those budgets and make those movies. Those right. are the studios. Those are what we're striking right now. So if you, even if you write the coolest $200 million movie, you, the people that you are going to run to to make the movie, not not only are we striking them right now, it's also even when things come back, because they will in some way come back. It's a small amount of people. But again, I see every day someone's looking for a low budget, micro budget, usually a genre film of some sort that, you know, oh, I just got out of film school or, oh, my friends and I want to get together and do this. I mean, all different levels of it. But those people can do it because they don't have to be a big studio. So definitely, if you want to get something made right now, you've got to aim for that low budget target just because you're going to have more people who say, yes, I can do that. Well, that's a great way to end that let's so. move on to what are we watching consuming writing for me i my addiction to suits continues i cannot stop watching the show i'm in season three and i'm hooked they the show's just got you like it's one of those those network things that just like i remember when everybody was like obsessed with lucifer i feel like lucifer was one of the last like network obsessions mm. and before it moved over to netflix and people were just washing the crap out of it. This is my Lucifer. I just I'm I'm loving the show. I love the the this kind of soapiness of it as they continue. It's a very simple premise, but it just it just works. And the, the format is great, and it's just smart. I haven't I don't know if I've loved a network television show this much since Supernatural. Oh, I'm just yeah. I, you know, I it's also went to the. For me, it was Scrubs. Scrubs, oh, I yeah. was like, yeah. Scrubs. man. I love Scrubs. Scrubs is literally my favorite television show. But I, 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 I was, I was, a, I was a huge fan of Supernatural, and I just loved the, you know, for something that went on for literally fifteen seasons, and I've watched all of them. You know, like I just, you can just keep watching this come back like every week. Like I hope it just runs in perpetuity. Just keep finding ways to crank out the hits. I'm just watching it. I don't give a shit. But I feel that way about suits. I don't know. I'd like how long can they keep this premise going? I don't care. This, I'm just in it for the characters. This is what network TV used to be about. It's just us and literal addiction. Yeah. But I went to the movies twice last week. I, I got I caught two deals, a victory, aka free screening at the Alamo Draft House of War of the Worlds. And I saw a $7 Tuesday for Dead Reckoning the latest Mission Impossible movie. And War of the Worlds is an underrated Spielberg classic. I remember Spielberg shot this in some crazy, like I think it was like 62 days, like some crazy unheard of number where he just like fit a movie in between other movies. And you look at this movie and you're like, I don't know how he did it. Like it's a huge movie, it's a huge movie. And going back and seeing it on the screen, I don't think I've seen it on the screen since the last time I saw it originally in theaters and it just, whoa, what a, what a motherfucker of a film. It just, there are certain sh shots. There's a, you know, there's, oh man, there's terrible scenes where like, not terrible, but like hor horrifying scenes and where they sh show you the aftermath of the, the alien invasion where there's just, as the aliens are reducing human beings to atoms and their clothes just float down to the from the sky in this parade of debris and it's oh, it's just harrowing there's just the spielberg is just 
I mean, he's just a master. And this movie is just like, it's like watching, it, it must be like what, what it would be like to, to watch Picasso be a, a guest on the Bob Ross show. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like watching Picasso do trees, happy little trees. But then I saw Dead Reckoning and it's 20 minutes too long. And I feel like this is the thing that nobody's bringing up in terms of- You know, what, what, that is probably the case for this episode as well. So we have yeah, to- Yeah, probably, yeah. We but have the, to forgive MI uh, Mission Impossible. Well, no, because I'm not a several hundred million dollar blockbuster and people do podcasts on their own time. The thing about this is that they're talking <laughs> about what's hurting the box office. Why isn't the box office gross as high as they wanted, even though they, they tried to hedge their bets by releasing it on a Tuesday. Um, and then they say they released it on a Wednesday, but they released it on a Tuesday. But anyway, they're like, why did this only make 78 when we wanted it to make 90? And the reason is because this movie is 20 minutes too long. And you can only have a certain number of showings in a day. You're slowing this thing up by giving it that extra 20 minutes. Anyway, that's what I looked at this week. What about okay. you? Yeah, I'm still doing some binging. Uh, watch some oldies on TCM, Summertime with Catherine Hepburn, Journey to the Sun of the Earth. Uh, also newer ones, I caught Guardians of the Galaxy 3, finally. I tried to watch the TV show, Florida Man. Ben put it on, but I couldn't. It was really bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's one of those... It, you can almost tell this is a product of everything that's going wrong with writers' rooms right now. Mm -hmm. You can kind of tell, like, oh, this is a mini room. There's no writer on set uh, when it was filmed. Like, it just, it just, it seems like it's a temp. It's, a, it's exactly what's what we're fighting against. So maybe check it out for that reason. The other thing is we are canceling our streaming apps in solidarity, and so. Thank you. And so I'm working with my family this week on which ones to go. First on the chopping block, definitely our Disney Plus. Um, and we are letting go of Netflix. So I've seen all my Black Mirror. I'm making sure I've seen everything I want to see. And then uh, we're bouncing from those. And then we're going to keep doing a few more each week. So, you know, just, just helping do our part. And hopefully, you know, again, you got to keep them where it hurts. And for folks like this, it's the money. So just making sure that we're kicking them where it hurts. This week's resource, resource of the week, I think it was a rather surprising and empowering speech this week from Fran Drescher. She did her press sheet, uh, speech for the SAG strike. It's pretty short, uh, but it's pretty, yeah, she angry. She's very yeah. angry and she'll, she'll get you fired up as well. So I have a link here for it and you kind of listen to that and kind of, feel what people are feeling and why they're why they're out there striking yes i agree it was a very fiery and impassioned speech and that will be in our show notes and that is our show screenwriting from the trenches can currently be found on amazon anchor apple google iHeartRadio, and spotify podcasts as well as kevinlmartin.com our screenwriting twitter drama theme song was written by zach morrison and used with his permission and hey We'd appreciate it if you dropped us a like or rated us five stars on whatever platform that you patronize because... Algorithms! We're also going to be reading occasionally our reviews, whether they are five star or one star or whatever in between. I'm sort of committed to do this. We did this in, an, in a bonus episode a little while back. That's, you know, uh, so if you leave us a review, there's a chance that we'll read it on air. But until then, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Respectable Mofo. 
I am at K underscore Tux. Zach is at Zach Morrison 18. And these things, as well as my YouTube channel, where the Cinema Challenge series is on a bit of a hiatus. We have this week, we have a interview with Jay Horton. And he makes movies that make money. He's kind of a, he's not a guru. He's a filmmaker who's just a working stiff and he's one of the best to do it. There's an interview with him on Monday and all of that will be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now, stop procrastinating. Those pages aren't going to write themselves. Mm-hmm.